the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamline, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dorsham and I have a very special guest we're going to be kicking off the show with tonight. We are very fortunate to have somebody that could actually answer uh, some very important questions about the war in Ukraine. Now, we all know that's sort of up in the air and anybody's prediction goes. And given that we wake up each morning to something new, unusual and sometimes unpredicted. But Larry, we actually have someone that knows a bit about this type of aggression and issues, both domestically and internationally. Would you like to introduce our guest? Sure, Wendy. Scott Perry has been serving the great state of Pennsylvania as a congressman since 2013. As an Army aviator, he flew 44 combat missions in Iraq. He was later promoted to Brigadier General and served in uniform for nearly 40 years before retiring in 2019. He holds a master's degree in strategic studies from the U.S. Army War College. He currently serves in Congress on the House Committees on Transportation and Infrastructure and Foreign Affairs and is an active member of the Freedom Caucus in the U.S. House of Representatives. Welcome to the program, Congressman Perry. Well, Larry and Dr. Wendy, it's a great privilege, privilege to be with you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. So I'm going to dive in with a, a kind of a um, hybrid personal slash professional question. First of all, I have an enormous affinity for Pennsylvania. My folks grew up in Pittsburgh, McKees Rocks. So I feel like I kind sure. of grew up half time Pennsylvania, half time here. But, you know, as a uh, as a career prosecutor myself, I know that there's a retirement that's available after military careers, government careers. And after having served a distinguished and full career in the Army for almost 40 years, you could have easily retired, yet you entered politics. I would love to know why. Uh, because our republic is in peril, the world's in flames, and I keep on seeing people making uh, foolish decisions that don't seem to use uh, any judgment whatsoever. And even worse, they uh, they oftentimes say really foolish things that don't seem to incorporate any judgment. And I figured I might add something to the conversation and a little bit of sanity to it for not only for the sake of the country that I love and, and was very, very blessed to serve in uniform to defend, but also for my, my mom and for my two our, my wife and I have two little girls, and we're very, very concerned about their future. So, um, so I just figured, uh, I, you know, I needed to get off the sidelines and, and do something about it. So uh, that's what I, you know, I, I was blessed or cursed, as you might view it, uh, <laughs> with uh, winning the opportunity to serve in the United States House of Representatives, the most important deliberative body on the planet, 
And so oftentimes I say things that other people won't say or, or, or can't bear to hear, and that includes my own colleagues on my side of the aisle. Wow. Uh, Congressman, we're all concerned about the Russian aggression in Ukraine, yet I understand this past year we imported more Russian oil than we've ever imported in our nation's history, to the tune of about 670,000 barrels per day. So as Putin wages war in Ukraine and we continue to fill his coffers uh, with our reliance on his oil— is this acceptable? And if not, what should be done to break this reliance on Russian oil? Well, first of all, no, it's completely unacceptable. And it's actually, uh, since you mentioned it, it's part of the reason that this war is happening. Uh, Vladimir Putin presides over a huge landmass country that has an economy about the size of uh, that of Italy. So it's not very powerful economically. But when the United States alone is pumping in 65 to $75 billion a day every single day, that helps to allow for uh, his aggression towards his neighbors. So absolutely, it's completely unacceptable. And the other thing is it's completely unnecessary. When Jen Psaki stands up there at the podium in beha- on behalf of the White House or when President Biden says that Americans must sacrifice now and what they mean by that is paying for more for goods and services, anything related to gasoline and certainly gasoline, diesel fuel, any fuels at the pump, Um, That's completely unnecessary, unrealistic, and quite honestly, it's just a bald-faced lie. Um, And what can be done about it? A lot of things can be done about it. First of all, the first thing you do is stop buying Russian Russian gas. But, of course, we need fuel in this country. And, of course, the other thing that needs to be done about it is reverse all the anti-American energy policies that President Biden undertook on his first days in office. So it means opening up Keystone. It means open up drilling all across our lands, including the Continental Shelf, federal lands, Anwar. It means building natural gas ships in America that can actually transport natural gas uh, so that we don't have to use. There's there's a lot of idiosyncrasies to this, but believe it or not, American uh, states, states in New England can't use American gas because they can't get it. They can't get it because the federal government doesn't allow to have it on. It's not allowed to be on rails. Uh, they can't get it because the federal government's against pipelines. New York State's against pipelines. And see, so the only way to get it there is via ship. But there's a thing called the Jones Act, which doesn't allow any United States commodity to traverse the seas on anything but an American ship. And guess what? We don't make any of those ships, not one. There's not one ship, American-made ship in the inventory. So we're literally forcing ourselves to buy Russian-made gas. And so... That's why Jen Psaki stands up there and says you have to sacrifice because this president is worshiping at the altar of the Green New Deal, and he expects all the rest of us to. I got a news flash for him. The real world is happening right now. No one in Ukraine, Russia, Germany, anywhere in Europe is fighting over windmills and solar panels. They're fighting over <laughs> oil and gas, and now we're involved in it. You know, Congressman, thank God you went into politics instead of took advantage of uh, that generous retirement you probably would have had. This is great information. One thing I noticed, and no doubt a lot of Americans noticed too, is the State of the Union was not characterized by this emphasis on climate change and wind farms and the kinds of things that have been sort of on the sidelines over the years. It was really focused on the, the issues that the president and his administration uh, know was important to everyday Americans. But as an insider congressman, what do you think is the impact of the, the pain at the pump the grocery store bills. I mean, Democrats buy food and buy gas, too. Is there a a groundswell of opposition to some of President Biden's politics, even within his own party, given that the issues 
that we're discussing impact everyone. I often say there's, there's bipartisan outrage to some extent when we get our bills at the end of the month because of this president's policies. There absolutely is, and I'm glad you mentioned, there absolutely is bipartisan outrage. And for President Biden, and quite honestly, the rest of his party, they're simply detached from reality, right? He talked about he wanted to secure the border. He talked about he wants to, to, to fund policing. He talked about uh, American energy as if, as though talking about it made it so. That's what they literally think, and they, they think the American people can be duped by the rhetoric, not followed up by the actions. Unfortunately, for the Democrats, what Americans are realizing now over a long time, that the Democrat Party of Harry Truman and John F. Kennedy, the Democrat Party that oftentimes their parents were registered and voted for, uh, that, that no longer exists. It's wholly owned by AOC and the, and the Bernie Sanders wing of the socialist agenda. And so this Marxist agenda that's associated with the Democrat Party is starting to stick. They, they, they keep the name Democrat because they know that most people are comfortable with that. What they're not comfortable with is these socialist and Marxist policies, and people are figuring it out regardless of what the president said. So saying it doesn't make it so. Doing it makes it so. Right. Congressman, uh, earlier this week, Russian tanks were actually shooting in a nuclear power plant, and they were equipped with thermal imagers, so they knew what they were shooting at. And I think it was the largest nuclear power plant in Europe, that's my understanding, and there were 15 nuclear reactors in Ukraine, and if one of those blows up, that could be the, well, I hate to say this, the end of Europe. And no country in history uh, before Russia has ever fired on an atomic uh, nuclear reactor. And that is a statement uh, from the president of Ukraine. So is there a danger of this expanding into something we all kind of don't want to happen? And, and how do we tamp that down if it's even possible? Well, like I said, uh, you're absolutely right. First of all, the largest reactor, I think there are six reactors in that in that facility. So the largest site in Europe, uh, certainly in Ukraine. And, you know, how we got here is as important as what we do now. How we got here was through an anti-energy uh, dominance platform for America that was uh, courtesy of uh, President Biden. And then his foolish rhetoric telling Vladimir Putin, you know, he had a minor incursion that we wouldn't do anything about it, essentially the green light. So what do we do about it? We do absolutely everything we can, and we're not doing that right now. We must absolutely stop uh, uh, financing it in all ways, altogether. All I mean, you know, he, they talk about sanctions of oligarchs and so on and so forth. They might be, those things might be nice, but let's face it, we can shut down the Russian economy and we absolutely should through, through our banking system and financial systems, but all through, certainly through the energy markets, a complete shutdown of it. And then we need to, uh, we need to be selling NATO or the EU uh, as many weapon systems to combat the tanks and uh, their aircraft and, and the war machine is possible. And, and I say that because the EU and, uh, and, and NATO in particular really need to step up. As you recall, uh, President Trump tried to get them to step up to the, to the, uh, the potential terror that's at their doorstep, and, and he was ridiculed around the world for that. And now, and, and of course, now they're experiencing it. I would just say, why should the American taxpayer be punished for for the uh, for, for the misgivings and the poor judgment of European leaders, of NATO leaders and allies, and of the Democrat Party and Joe Biden in particular, Ukrainians want That's to fight. That's a great they way. The, they need the uh, they need the equipment, and we should make sure they have it. NATO should buy it. This is not America's war, but we do care about it. We do not want Vladimir Putin 
subsuming countries next to him like it happened in the 30s and the 40s in Germany. Thank you. And, uh, That's a great and, way to uh, end it. That's a great yeah, way to rub against to the, the heartbreak. Awesome. Thank okay. you so much for joining us. Thank you, Congressman. It's a blessing to hear. Thank you so Thank much. You. God bless you. Thank and, you. Thank you. We will be back in a flash with more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Stay with us. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and my co-host Larry Dersham and I always try to bring you not only news that's timely, but news that is important on a variety of levels. And that brings us to the second half topic number one. There is a mother in Texas who is suing after the state launched a quote-unquote child abuse investigation over her teenager's gender-affirming care. Now, many of you listening might not be exactly clear on what gender-affirming care is. And it's true, it's a vague term that can mean many different things, from therapy slash counseling to hormone therapy to puberty blockers and beyond. So we're talking about a, a lot of different things within the medical community. But what we're talking about specifically with this lawsuit is a new rule. The Texas governor wants the Department of Family and Protective Services to investigate parents of children who are receiving gender affirming care and investing it, investigating it as child abuse. Now you can't change a penal code section by a governmental directive. That obviously has to go through a process. Nonetheless, you can create a chilling effect through a government directive. Now we just saw that throughout the entire course of the pandemic, whether or not it was state law that you did or didn't have to be vaccinated or wear masks or all the rest of the socially distanced and, and uh, sanitized things that we did for the last two years. That doesn't mean that people got skittish wondering whether or not their behavior was in conformity. So after this new law was passed, not new law, um, but new director from the government, you had some psychologists saying, I don't wanna have to turn in my patients. I feel like that would be breaking confidentiality. You had doctors loath to prescribe the types of things that they were used to prescribing to uh, any teen with gender dysphoria or who fell into this category. And, and it really has caused not only confusion, but now it's also caused litigation. So we've got this lawsuit that's been filed. Um, and we've also had a judge that have blocked, uh, basically blocked the enforcement of this for the time being until things can be sorted out. But Larry, this kind of, first of all, there's a stigma to being investigated for child abuse. When you hear the term child abuse, first of all, you probably think physical abuse. You probably don't think allowing children to receive certain controversial medical treatments, if they're even controversial in whatever state it is that they're receiving this treatment. But does it go beyond that? I mean, this story is gaining a lot of traction because people want to know what is this about and what what might this mean in my state? I think that uh, I have strong opinions on this. So my opinions do not necessarily reflect the station nor Wendy Patrick's opinion. But I just think that following the science, that swapping gender is not really possible because male and female is embedded 
into the human body down to the DNA level. And what I did some research on this, Wendy, and I went to the Mayo Clinic, and I'm not talking about the condiment Mayo that you put on your favorite sandwich. <laughs> the Mayo Clinic is so well known. And I looked up gender dysphoria, which is this is a term or a phrase that's been floating around recently, and says when people are not comfortable in their own body with the sex that they were born with, with their biological sex. Well, what the Mayo Clinic said is a lot of times kids grow out of that. They literally just give it a few more years and you go back to being the, uh, wanting to be uh, the sex that your biological uh, makeup says that you are. And so I think personally uh, that it's really, I, I would almost say, I say child abuse to do that, to, to put that in the little kids. And it's, Besides that, there's a layer of propaganda that's going on in the schools right now where they're saying, do you feel like you know, maybe you're not comfortable um, uh, in the sex that you were born with? You know, doing this with these little moldable minds and then giving them uh, the hormone treatment, the, uh, the blockers that would uh, prevent them from developing normally. And really, I don't know if we want to get into this. I, they well, actually, let me stop you they Let get me, to, to oh, the surgery level. I don't think we want to go there. But can you imagine doing a surgical procedure on a a, a little kid or a teenager at least? I, I don't. I think that really needs to be looked at hard. You have just identified, I think, some of the most uh, important issues surrounding this debate. And I'll say that it's a debate because there is a big difference between giving these treatments to very young kids uh, and then giving these treatments to adults. And there's also a big uh, debate about gender dysphoria and everything that goes along with it. But to parents that are just loving their children, trying to provide the best medical care to them, whatever that looks like, uh, maybe has nothing to do with gender. You know, and we've just talked about, you know, childhood vaccinations and all these other things that parents do to take care of their kids. When you are prescribing or operating on minors, there is a big difference between operating on a young minor, somebody who is 10, versus somebody who is 17. This story, regardless of what anybody's views are, politically, religion-wise, medically, psychologically, regardless of what the views are, it's highlighting this debate and it's highlighting some of the very provocative issues that we're talking about. So we don't even need to take a side to recognize that what you've just identified in terms of the categories of well, who makes that choice. Does, you know, should a 10-year-old make the choice to start taking puberty blockers or should that be somebody who's you know 13 or 17 or 21 or at what age is one you don't you don't want to use the term competent but these are issues that stories like this bring to the forefront the other one you also touched on to call something child abuse is very serious not just in terms of the stigma but the woman that filed the lawsuit actually worked for the agency that's doing the investigation if you can believe that um, and that's a big that's a big problem, especially in an age where people are just going back to work. They want to make sure that no decisions they make jeopardize their livelihood. They don't want to have to choose between health and wealth. And something this cutting edge and important, um, I, I want to point out that this is not the first time a state made a decision that put this in the foreground. Now, obviously, it's I told you the Texas judge blocked the state from doing these investigations. Um, and looking into other cases. And I think there's a hearing uh, March the 11th. But I want to point out, Larry, that Arkansas last year actually became the first state to pass a law prohibiting gender-conforming treatments 
for minors, gender confirming is actually what it's called, um, but a judge blocked that law too, and the state is appealing. So I just wanna say, we're probably gonna be focusing on this more and more. And it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with having conversation and debate, especially when we're talking about the health of our beloved young people as we help them to, to grow into healthy uh, young adults. Um, but Larry, I know there's something else on your mind today, but uh, you, if you wanna keep closing comment on this one, it's fine as well. Right, yeah, I, I would just say that um, I really think that these kids are too young, and really, there there is a cutoff, uh, what is it, 18, you become an adult, and you can do all kinds of things, and then at 21, I think to do this kind of um, psychological uh, recommendations and even medical treatment at this age is is not appropriate, and I just hope that people get their common sense, and and truthfully, I do side with the state of Texas on this, even though I, I know it causes some dilemmas with some uh, school psychologists and so forth about reporting things like that. But I just hope we care for our children. But I got another topic for you, Wendy, and here it is. Should you date someone with a low credit score? So do you remember the advice uh, that your mother used to give you, at least gave me, you know, when you started to get serious about dating? Things like make sure uh, she has a college education or find someone who has the same moral beliefs that you do, or uh, you better watch out for that kind. <laughs> I've been <laughs> warned about that guy. I can think of my mother doing that. Uh, well, bet <clears throat> you never heard of this one from your parents. Uh, dear son or daughter, make sure that he or she has a good credit score before you commit. But is that really a valid criteria for falling in love in today's world? Well, yes, it could be. The world is moving towards social credit scores. Now, they already have these, Wendy, in, in China, in the communist China, the, the, uh, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. And basically, it's also, it basically, it's not, uh, they, they judge you not only about, you know, paying your bills on time, but what your beliefs are. And now this is moving worldwide through something called ESG scores. Now, ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. And basically, what some of these world leaders are saying, and I'm going to go right to the World Economic Forum, this gentleman by the name of Klaus Schwab. And if you don't know about uh, him, folks, you should look him up on the Internet. He's the president and the founder of the World Economic Forum. And he wants to go to this ESG credit rating system. So basically, if you pay your bills on time, uh, that really doesn't count. What's your view on the social issues, on LGBTQ, that type of thing? What are your views? Uh, are you a religious person? Ooh, we're going to downgrade you for that one. Uh, it could literally affect our bank accounts, our ability to get loans. And some of these larger corporations are subscribing to this. It's very dangerous, in my opinion. Do you have any thoughts on that? Have you heard about it, Wendy? It's, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, it sounds like I'm overdue for a new psychology today column. I got to write one on this. This is a great topic. You know, um, I enjoy my role here as queuing and teasing up some super provocative issues because you're not afraid to dive in one way or another. But I think this one probably has um, both sides of the aisle really kind of watching and waiting to see if this is coming to a, a theater near you, so to speak. You know, when we see things happening in other parts of the world, we always just think, gosh, it's only a matter of time. And how do they get the information? Here's something that I think uh, that concerns almost everybody. How do they get the information to put into that credit score? Do they ask your friends? Do they do kind of like a background check? 
social media, social your media, right. your posts. They check your, they, your posts on social media, um, how many people follow you and all of the above. Boy, you know, I wish we had more time to talk about this one, but I have a feeling that uh, this is an evergreen. We'll, we'll be coming back to this topic. Um, but we want to thank our listeners for sticking with us through a very important show and it's certainly a very provocative second half of the show for sure. Thank you for joining us. We, we're wishing you a wonderful, safe weekend. Join us next week for a more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week, everyone, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.